Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 333, featuring Ross Danner, head of 3D, creative director, and VFX supervisor over at Art Jail. What did you think of this podcast, Kristen? Well, this was a great one. Um, one, he was not a fan of computers. Never yep. thought he would uh, be in this life. Um, so he kind of fell into it and then um, started off doing furniture design and then moved on to working at the mill, which is a great story. I like that one. Mm -hmm. um, and now he is in New York working, um, help start up uh, a boutique studio, Art Jail. Mm -hmm. um, and he also talks like a lot about the advantages of uh, V-Ray for Houdini and how they love it at Art Jail. Um, and he prefers to keep like a one render engine. Um, mm -hmm. He really doesn't like to change. So that was interesting to hear because you hear all these other places use a lot of different mm -hmm. ones. But yeah, he sticks sticks with one. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so to be clear, he actually didn't start up the art jail, but he helped start up the three D department there because they were much more of a sort of a clone two D uh, or sort of a boutique two uh, D place. And so he started doing a lot of three D stuff, and the pipeline that he's doing there is pretty interesting. And it's really interesting, actually. Like you said, a small boutique place that's actually doing, you know. Uh, that starts using Houdini as their main pipeline. It's that's not what would have we would have thought would have happened ten years ago, but that's what's happening right now, and it's very very cool. In fact, I actually met Ross. Uh, I think the first time I met him was when he was working at MPC in Santa Monica, uh, which is pretty cool. And we know several people in common, and it was just really great talking to him. Uh, you know, lots of weird conversations that we had we ended up going on a detour about dyslexia for a few minutes as well oh, yeah. and that was kind of fun uh but yeah and, uh, ross is a ross is a really great guy and i'm really glad that we finally were able to talk about that and he's actually one of the first guys to really sort of put the pedal to the metal on some of our v-ray to houdini features so it was great to have him on finally to talk about all those cool things speaking of which Kristen, what kind of product announcements do we have all right, so uh, V-Ray 5 for Cinema uh, 4D Update 1 is now available. Yep. And we also, we talked about in the past, uh, V-Ray 5 for Maya and Houdini Update 1. Um, and then we also have Vantage Update 1.3. Perfect, oh. exactly. So lots of cool things are happening in Cinema 4D. You guys should check it out. Uh, we've done, as you guys, a big overhaul, as you remember, when we first put out V-Ray 5 or C4D, and this is the first major update since then. So lots of things to look forward there. V-Ray 5 for Maya and Houdini Update 1 are also available. Uh, lots of great new things there. The big thing is especially our uh, USD uh, implementation, as well as our implementation inside of uh, Solaris for, in Houdini. And, uh, and also how we integrated USD inside of Maya. So that's a big deal that's happening there. In fact, I think we're writing a blog post that should be out fairly soon about that. And then for Vantage, lots of great new features have been added as well. So if you guys are following Vantage, definitely check out the new update 1.3, which is still available for free for now. Uh, okay, if people want to find out more about the podcast, where can they go, Kristen? You can go to facebook.com slash podcast or chaos.com slash cggarage. Um, and if you want to watch us on YouTube, go to youtube.com slash chaosgrouptv. Perfect. And if you guys have any questions or comments or ideas for podcasts, we always love to hear them. Labs at chaosgroup.com is our email. We would love to find out your thoughts. All right. That being said, please enjoy this awesome podcast with our good friend, Ross Denner at Art Jail. Welcome to another CG Garage, where the chaos group talks. 
You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. All right, Ross. So, uh, yeah, I know you're, you, you said you were a little bit nervous about doing this, which is perfectly fine. But uh, one of the hardest things I'm going to ask you to do is tell me a little bit about your past. <laughs> so let's, let's dive past. into some, some of this stuff. What, what got you to do, what got you into CG and got into you involved in the, in the sort of the creative process of what you do? Like what were you, um, what, what, what education did you f- stumble on or what happened there? Well, to be honest, uh, I've never been a fan of computers and I kind of just fell into this. So, <laughs> really? uh, yeah, a hundred percent. Uh, I, um, I mean, without realizing it, I guess I was, well, I was a fan of this kind of industry, like Ray Harryhausen and all that kind of stuff as a kid, because I'd be stealing my parents' camcorder and making Lego movies and all that kind of stuff and using uh-huh. like all my other toys when I was really young and just making all these kind of stop, stop frame motion, you know, kind of uh, little animations. But realistically, never thought I'd ever use a computer. I went to right. education wise, like I didn't I didn't really uh, fit with like school, high school kind of stuff. And I had to find my way around that. But I eventually ended up going to uh, art college to study furniture design. So okay. I was doing furniture design. Uh, I was also have like kind of my my, my dad is a, a carpenter. So that's his oh, trade. Okay. So I kind of learned a lot of skills from him on that. When I did furniture design and then realized that I couldn't afford to make half my furniture because I was a student. So uh-huh. I kind of like stumbled across 3D Studio Max and started using that. And then it was like, uh-huh. oh, there's endless possibilities in CG. And that's okay. how I went. And then from there, I went back, had the uh, the harsh reality of finishing university and the university bubble burst. And you kind of like had to figure out what you're going to do for a career. Right. Um, I went back to crash at my parents for a couple of years and studied like this on the computer side, the 3D side okay. of computer stuff. And just basically stumbled in, stumbled into like, uh, I obviously did all right, and stumbled into getting a job. That's basically okay. where I started from. Where, where, where was your first job? First job was I worked for, I got like a bit of a kind of uh, work experience at a company called Bermuda Shorts in London. Okay. And they were pr- predominantly like a 2D uh, uh, house. And uh, I think one of the directors directed the. Uh, take on me a half music video with a pencil drawn stuff. So it was oh, that really? kind of like, yeah, yeah, it was super cool. So like just yeah. being there and being around those people was like super, super amazing. Um, yeah. And then I started helping out a guy uh, on a pitch and we were kind of combining like cell drawn stuff in a kind of cartoon vibe. And then I was doing like uh, tune shaded CG cars and all that kind of stuff. And we, we pitched uh-huh. and we won this job. Uh, and yeah, I think um, I think the mill were bidding on it, MPC were bidding on it, uh, Warner Brothers, all those kind of people were in it, and eventually uh, we won it, but we weren't allowed to have the job or something. There was some kind of political reason. I'm not sure exactly what was what was going on there. Um, right. And I walked over to the mill and just basically asked for a job. Really, I mean, there was some more kind of like bits and pieces in that, but okay. um, like the guy I was working with, for example, was friends of um, uh, Angus Neal. So oh, okay. So he set up the New York mill, basically. And right. uh, I got to meet him, and I think he might have thrown Stephen Benning a bone and just said, give him a chance. I'm not sure, really. 
Either way, I ended okay. up like walking into the mill and they gave me like a week. To this was in the my... UK, right? Yeah, yeah. This this is, London yeah. So this was all in the Soho field area and just yeah, literally totally. walking across the street is like what it is, right? Yeah, I was in like North Soho, I guess, for um, Abuja Shorts. And yeah, it was all like, it was all so nerving. It's nerve wracking as well. Like you, the big shops are always there and you're kind of like, oh, am I going to be good enough for this kind of thing? Um, right. But yeah, they, they gave me a chance. Like I said, Stephen Benning gave me like a week to learn wire, basically. And he stuck mm-hmm. me with a couple of really nice people to learn underneath. Um, super mm-hmm. cool guys, super talented and kind of good laugh. And uh, yeah, I worked there for about a year. When was uh, this? Worked, about what year was this? This would have been like 2005, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So I remember mm-hmm. 2005, did a year there, worked like nonstop every day. Like I would, I would go to work, find out what I was meant to be doing the next day and preempt it a little bit but then start like downloading videos and tutorials and all that kind of stuff and this is beautiful this is before like you kind of look on youtube and all of a sudden you've got the answer it's just like i've got to find a way of getting this information um Mm -hmm. but i'll be really nervous and i'll be like panicking and all that kind of stuff but i'll be like preempting what i had to do and i'd like learn every night stay up stupidly late learn then i'll go in the next day and do my job yeah i worked there for like a year um worked really hard they ended up i ended up having a break uh, over christmas came back and they were like, oh yeah, we forgot you got you were working with us and we haven't got any more work for you <laughs> after a year solid. So, and I was freelancing obviously, so it didn't matter. I just had like this permalance position there, which was really nice. Um, so then I basically uh, got my resume together, CV even, um, got my show rule up to date and I w- walked over to MPC uh, and I basically just like called out whoever the, uh, the, the person who was looking after the CG department at that point. And I was like, yeah, I've got it got an interview with him and he came down he was like we don't have an interview and i was like i know but i need a job <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> and it seemed Check to your work books. i'm sure you do have an interview yeah yeah so it, it seemed to work that's I just pretty ballsy like, that's cool <laughs> it, it was pretty ballsy i had to like man up a little bit into it i mean obviously I, I i i knew the guy roughly from like working with him some uh, at the mill but he left the mill and went off to npc and then npc right. basically became my home um, and I was okay. permalance there for like a couple of years. It was a great experience. Met some really, really talented people, which are in those big ho- uh, big houses. Right. Um, and then like the, they started opening up the LA office. Um, and I think maybe six months to a year into that, I turned around and I was like, I want to leave London. I want to get out of here. Um, you know, what are the chances of, you know, going to the US? Uh, right. And prior to this, but prior to like getting into any of this, I used to play basketball a lot in uh, Europe to a reasonably good standard. So I used to come out to the US a couple of times to basketball camps. So I've always kind of like been interested in the US and what it's about uh, uh, for a lot of sports and all that kind of stuff. And they gave me the opportunity and they needed some help out in the LA office. So they sent me out. Um, and yeah, and that was, the rest is history really. It was like MPC for like six years out in LA working and grinding it. Then I went to I go to? I but this is NPC. NPC was in the US. That was not, you were doing mostly, there was mostly commercial work being done there, right? At that it was point. all commercial work, yeah. It was oh, all, sorry. yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. It was mainly all commercial work, but every so often I got sent up. I was fortunate. I got sent up to like Vancouver a couple of times to kind of play with the feature stuff. Because at that okay. point, NPC was very heavily um, developing all their stuff for features. So they had all their own little crowd systems. They had their own fur systems and all that kind of stuff. And it got to a point where I think the feature department was struggling to support all the commercial artists because the commercial artists were like, you know, they run like 900 miles an hour and commercial features traditionally always have like a longer time. So getting people up to speed and supporting them was easier on a feature because you have your whole team. You have your TDs, but on a commercial, it's like, all right, we've got like, you know, two weeks to knock this out and somehow we need to make a furry creature and we've got to use all our proprietary software. Mm 
So yeah. someone has to go and learn it. So I had well, that. What was, your, what, what was your role at NPC at that at that point? At that at a, at the start, I was just like a kind of CG artist, and then I very quickly mm-hmm. get into CG lead and CG supervising, and then you know eventually go into like VFX supervising. Um, right. And then it also kind of like fluctuated as well. Like there was moments where certain jobs, you would end up being like the creative director on a job. So I took right. that on. Uh, the last one, the last job I did at NPC LA was this uh, job with Robert Strongberg. It was like Intel. What lives inside? I think it was like a it's a 40, 40 minute, ten part uh, TV show. It might still be on Hulu. I'm not sure, but it was. Um, okay. But it was forty minutes, and it was basically forty minutes of pure CG, um, with some you know talent in there as well. And that mm-hmm. uh, that ended up using uh, MPC India, which was Bangalore or Bangalore now, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. uh, used London, it used New York, and it used LA. And that was like a 24-hour kind of like system, just you know, process, just trying to get that through. I think my day right. started at like maybe seven o'clock, six o'clock in the morning because I had to deal with London, and then I think I finished around two o'clock in the morning sometimes as well. And that was kind of like a standard. Wow. And it was just kind of it was exhausting, but it was well worth it. The experience was insane. And I also like some of the guys who are in the um, MPCLA office now. They worked on it, you know, and they're now head of departments and stuff. And without those guys, you know, the job would never have got done. It's, um, it was a yeah. really, really steep learning curve, but it was a really, um, it was just fun. It was fun. Like as exhausted as I was, like the work with someone like Robert Strongberg was amazing. Um, right. You know, and to be given the opportunity to be like the creative on it as well was amazing as well. So you just kind of like, as he kept saying to me, just, just embrace the crazy, just, just, just embrace the crazy. That's what he kept saying to me. <laughs> Um, and that was great. That was that was a good experience. But predominantly, yeah, I think that's that, that, that. I think that's where I met you. Right? Was that in? Was that in the NPC LA office when you were in Santa Monica? Mm-hmm. I believe, right? Yeah, because yeah. like basically Andy Boyd joined. Um, that's right from Method. He became the head of 3D. He's a great chap as well. Um, he yeah. introduced me to you guys and you and V Ray and all that kind of stuff, um, right. which was amazing because at the time we were running with. Uh, Mental Ray, I would assumed, um, and Render Man, we would have used for mm-hmm. anything else for um, all the feature stuff. Uh, right. Andy turned up, Houdini turned in, and he was like, Yeah, Mantra and V Ray, they work really well together, check it out. Oh, and Scott Metzger was involved as well, a little bit. Oh, he Scott turned up, Metzger, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he turned up a few times as well to help us out. But yeah, that yeah. was probably where we met, I think. And I think Vlado turned up to the office a couple of times, right? Mm-hmm. I believe. I believe he came and saw yeah. us a couple of times. I remember it was me and Lon and we we went oh, there yeah, a few Lon, times. Yeah. And you guys, you guys had some big jobs going on, and so you know it was like, okay, oh, we'll bring Vlado over because he's in town or something like that. So I remember. And then yeah, Scott did some big project with you guys. Was it a Samsung job or something like that? Sony, Sony, and he was like obsessed Sony. with showing us how how many polygons V-Ray could render and how it, all the glossy reflections <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. I remember it all. I mean, I, you know, the guy's fantastic. It's it's, um, yeah. but it's just. Uh, just the the um, the willing to show me all that kind of stuff was hilarious. It was like yes. I remember you're, you're talking to someone as well. Like I said, like I never thought I'd ever get into computers, and I, I right. try to treat like computers as if it's a medium. So I'm not the technical side of things. I'm not techie at all, but I just kind of like make things work somehow. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure it kind of frustrates people, but then you know you've got someone who's like super techie, uh, talented, really into like, the computers, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like obsessing about this. And I'm like, this is great, but it's kind of like okay, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> um yep. which was which was fun um but yeah i mean who and, and i think lon helped us with um getting v-ray and massive working as well 
Yes, because there was a there there was a there was a we had to make sure that there was there was some development that had to happen on both sides of the software to to make that work. And Vlada was trying to communicate what exactly was. Yeah, I do remember that work that that project as well. Yeah, because yeah. that was super handy. We needed that. That was that was amazing. That was like. Um, that was just like, how the hell are we going to get this done? I don't, have, don't even know what to do. There was a gentleman, Rick, who kind of, uh, Amrick, who flew out from New York to help help us. He was like mm -hmm. a massive boffin. And between mm -hmm. him and Lon and a lot of coding, and I guess you guys as well, it somehow mm -hmm. the magic happened and it was like, this is amazing. Like it was, it was one of those moments where like, it just, it just felt, it just felt so liberating. It was like, this is brilliant. We can do this. This is it's like, I'm, I now don't have to panic. I've got like super talented people who are helping us. And, and just the fact that people with different offices were like willing to help as well. It was mind blowing as a community. It was amazing. You know? Yeah. It's that, those are, those are great things. I mean, those are, those are the kind of projects that I really get excited about where it's like, okay, we've got this person. He has this very specific problem that seems to be solved that could benefit other people as well. But like, in order for this to happen, I got to get party A and B and C and D all talking to each other and just like, what do you have to happen? Oh, I mean, to me, that's kind of, and then when it happens, like you said, it's like, wow, it's happening. <laughs> it's working. Yeah. It's, so. it's so nice. It's so nice. And it's so fun as well. Cause you all, cause that was the thing I, like, I really enjoy about uh, this industry is the fact that if you get it right, you end up having a bunch of like super cool people on different levels from different backgrounds yep. and you just kind of come together and you just make it work and you kind of, you figure out everybody's strengths, you figure out people's weaknesses, you figure out how to motivate people, um, you know, deal with the usual kind of client stuff. Uh, but then you just like, you just bring it together somehow and you just get something done and it's kind of like very uh, rewarding on that level for sure. Yes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, uh, uh, when I, I may, I remember Andy, obviously Andy, when he was at method, cause Andy and I were at method yeah. around the same time. Uh, and he obviously is, as as well known, he's, he's a big Houdini guy, loves Houdini, big, big side effects guy. Uh, I think that's kind of a, a common trait. I've noticed a trend in, uh, in, uh, uh, South African guys and being big Houdini <laughs> guys, <laughs> Some, like, oh, like I know several South Africans, uh, that, you know, we're a DD, et cetera. And they're all Houdinis. Like they're all like hardcore Houdini people, which is kind of funny. Was that sort of <laughs> one of your first, uh, uh, big introductions to Houdini in, in certain ways or. Yeah. But I mean, uh, Houdini, I, I never really got on the train early enough in my mind. Like I should have jumped on that really early and Andy was trying to promote it, but he had like his team he, who managed to bring with him to like, who were just like amazing at it. But yeah, I mean, right. it, I, I put so much effort and time into Maya. I just knew how to do things in Maya just as quickly, if that makes sense. Right. I just didn't, for me at that point in my career, it wasn't like, um, I didn't see the benefit, if that makes sense. I was going to have to go backwards for a long time before I could go forwards, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and Houdini, to, to, most people in Houdini were only basically just using it to do effects, right? They weren't, exactly. because Andy was the first person that I knew was like, no, we can do more than just effects on this. We can make it like the primary DCC. And I was yep. like, how okay because i didn't really know that everyone is like no everyone just uses Maya. we'll just use houdini to do all the crazy breakup stuff and explosions and things so it was kind of new to me to like think about it as beyond that is that sort of one of the things you got introduced to from from andy or was it with, know, with andy and andy was very funny andy was uh we had like a couple of fur jobs going on i think he had like one of his uh his uh kia hamster things going on and mm -hmm. oh, i think right. we were and we were doing like a, we were sharing it. We were doing like a maybe a baby hamster or something or something. Uh, uh, what were they? It, 
I think they were little hamsters and they turned into the big hamsters and we're doing little hamsters in like the um the render man film setup with NPC and he was doing it all in Houdini. And mm-hmm. it took us twice as long, basically, in the NPC feature setup because one we're just like struggling through it and trying to make it work. But also right. it was like it didn't have that ability, like, you know, I hate to say it, but that proceduralism which Houdini brings, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so it was kind of eye opening on that level, just like, oh, I now I understand a little bit of the the power of this it's like i can just make a tweak here and it affects everything's done you know whereas mm-hmm. in Maya, it traditionally doesn't do that you always have to at some point you have to like stop it um but it was definitely andy who introduced me to houdini for sure um mm-hmm. and even when i was like floating around uh, after my um mpc and uh, method days i would go around to his new new company and like he's showing me a few things he gets super excited like he does he's like a big kid sometimes you know yes um just so infectious as well um and he'd show me a few things and it's like, oh yeah, I really want to do this, really want to do this. And then from then on, like, I've just been chipping away at it uh, as well. And then I've also, I've met some people because we moved to New York. So I've met some people who I, I re-caught up with people who I used to work with. Um, and they're, they're, they're boffins at it. So they kind of just help me out and show me stuff. But I'm never going to be an effects master, put it that way. I just use it for like, I, I'm right. really enjoying like the rendering setup and, all that kind of stuff and a quick way of like passing through attributes and getting them straight into rendering and all that jazz. That's, that's why, that's why I've made it out. We'll, like, we'll get in, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that uh, in a second. Cause I obviously want to talk to you about, you know, what you guys have been doing in, in Houdini more recently. But so, so when you were, you were still, you know, at, at MPC and then what, what, where did you go after MPC? MPC, I went to method for a couple of years. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh i don't know why i'm laughing about that but i went there for a couple of years and that was interesting again um that was more like strictly supervising which was which is like one of the things i've kind of struggled with a little bit with myself in this industry what coming from the very much coming from a creative background of like going to art school and you know all the furniture design all that kind of stuff it's like at what point do you pull away from being on the box as much now um and a method it was very much like you're off the box you're a vfx supervisor kind of thing and I was right. like, yeah, it's cool, but I can also do this. Do you know what I mean? So I was trying yep. to figure out, you know, I, I had to learn all these kind of like different skill sets and, tra- you know, trades, if you want, within the yeah. industry and like going on set, collecting, you know, first of all, going on set, collecting data, but going on set, but talking creative with DPs and uh, ADs and uh, and directors and dealing with all that and all the um, the agency side of things as well. You just learn that really quickly, but then... I also, when you come back into the, the studio, I'm kind of like, I still want to like produce a little bit of an image here. And sometimes you hear of like, especially with commercial directors, they're asking me, and I'm sure they ask of other artists, you know, are you going to be working on this or not? And I feel like they actually like it. They like the idea that you, you're following through from the start to the end on some right. of these jobs, because a lot of, a lot of the time you kind of, you end up having, well, bigger shops anyway, you pass the job stuff to the left. Yeah. But, um, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to trading trading in your 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 tablet, you know, to to do uh, to do emails, <laughs> which is what most yeah, people basically, do. <laughs> it's just it's justifying doing something. It's, it's, yeah, it's just, and I and honestly, like I'm, I'm dyslexic as well, so like the the written side of things, yes. just crushes me. It crushes me. So like, I, I, I am dyslexic as well, so I know exactly what no you're way. talking about. There we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Right, that's cool. Then I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, this is why podcasting is much easier than I used to have to write blog posts, and that was the worst experience. <laughs> oh man, I couldn't do that. 
I've, I've literally just started Instagram. I mean, I was good at writing the posts. I just, it was just pain, like the, the, the pain of the, the coming yeah, yeah, out of yeah. my fingers, typing in words and trying to get them to, yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious, man. <laughs> I had no idea. That's really funny. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, um, yeah, just everything about the dyslexic thing doesn't, doesn't make me want to do emails. Doesn't want to make me do blogs. It doesn't want to make me uh, um, write. Out. Like I will get on a phone with an artist, especially in like today's like situation. I will get yep. on a phone straight away and call someone. Or if I'm in the office, I will go and speak to someone. But other people are just like, it doesn't matter what level, you know, the size of the, size of the co- uh, job or what have you, I will go and speak to them individually because I would rather do that than yep. write up like a million emails. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Like I was saying, I've just literally started, um, first, I've, I've recently started like Instagram for the first time because I was so so paranoid that I'm going to say some spell something wrong, you know, and stick it out right. there because I'm dyslexic. And it's like, I just, I'd rather not bother doing it. I'm just going to set right. myself up, you know. <laughs> but in Instagram, you just post a picture, and then you don't. I know. Well, that's why I've started yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the first one. I'm slowly. I'm easing into social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's it's interesting. You say that. Yeah, it depends. I've actually had to overcome it quite a bit, and I think it's interesting that you you know that 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 was a thing that that, that you had because it is interesting. It you're such a good creative person. And it's really sometimes when you just can't type and you can't write, it feels like you're not necessarily the, you know, like am I under overqualified for this? I have this, I have my own yeah. little things that are problems like that. Like my good friend, Eric Sheely is clearly very dyslexic. His emails are like two, three words, just enough to be able to acknowledge something <laughs> and move on because <laughs> I think he can't spell things and write them out. I've actually forced myself to write long emails because it's just better, but I know I know exactly the, the 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 situation that you're in. That's that's interesting. That's really interesting. All right, so yeah, I didn't I mean, want to diverge on. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I honestly I think it's an important thing to talk about. Sometimes I mean it's like the reason why I didn't fit in at school was because yeah. I was basically classed like I didn't fit into the system because I was dyslexic and I couldn't figure stuff out and I couldn't I they couldn't mark me or grade me the way because I just didn't fit into their the system the yep. school made and it was like all right so. I'm clearly got something going on. I'm not like, you know, I've yep. obviously got some ideas, but yet you're not supporting me. So what do I do? And that's why it took me a while to get myself to art college and find right. my other way of going about it and working out society, so to speak, and all that kind of stuff. For yeah. sure. For sure. Uh, I, you know, there's a lot of things that have helped me. Audiobooks have been awesome. <laughs> Honestly speaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. I'm with you with that. Uh, 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 but you know, what's also interesting is my, my, my daughter is, is so well read. Like, so she can just devour books and yeah. you know, she's, you know, 14, but even when she was like nine, she could read a thousand page book in like three days. Right. And wow. I was like, I can have no concept of how that's possible. Like, how did you come from me? <laughs> it's like, I just yeah. like couldn't do it. So it's uh, it is interesting. And I, I've actually thought about, you know, how, how does the being dyslexic, uh, you know, affect the artist world. Um, and, and what does that mean? You know, because I think there's a lot of people out there who are, who are like us, uh, who, who finally like, Oh, that's what I can do. I can do some really cool stuff, you know, like in Maya or whatever and be very creative and, and, and it's not affected by my dyslexia, you know? So I think that's, yeah. that's, yeah. No, that's super. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I, I think you'll find a majority of people who are creative have some kind of, you know, um, 
issue somewhere, so to speak. I don't want to use the word, the word issues wrong. Yeah, disability. Yeah, issues wrong. Definitely, listen, it's very, it's very common. You know, there's this, uh, the, the dyslexic uh, social skills are also sometimes not always there. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah, a, lot yeah, of, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of things I'm not going to, you know, uh, do that. But I mean, I've actually heard of, for example, I've heard of people that are training, uh, uh, you know, older people with autism in, in CG stuff. Right, huh. they're really good at it. Like they're, you know, because they can focus on certain things. Like rotoscoping is like really, really good. Or certain wow. other things, they can get uh, uh, because they don't necessarily need to have social interactions with people, uh, and they can focus on their jobs, uh, and they can and they really enjoy it. So, um, I've actually thought about it. It's just reminded me. I've thought about having trying to get someone from a dyslexic like you know group and talk about how the how the cg could 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 relate to this because i think there's something out there anyway yeah don't yeah want to diverge. Like a, <laughs> no digital art therapy basically it's great yeah 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 yeah, yeah. absolutely absolutely um okay so i do i do want to uh uh sorry i want to keep going so so you were your yeah. method you had to give up you had to give up being on the box as much uh but you did a couple of years you said a couple of years yeah um okay yeah i did uh, did a lot of the uh secure work Mm-hmm. uh the, the fruit based stuff um right uh which was um which was actually strangely uh it was actually kind of um rewarding to be honest because it mm-hmm. it was more about the process how do i how do i make this process easier right. uh, and i would work with my cg lead and my 2d lead and would figure out more about the process um, right 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 which was um which was you know just solving a problem which is kind of nice you know yeah absolutely absolutely Okay. And then what happened after Method? Method, I kind of, I tapped out at that point about with big companies. I was like, I'm kind of done. Um, I kind of okay. burnt out the process. Um, I don't want to go too deep into it all, but like you end up, you get, you hit a point basically. I think everybody does. They hit a point where it's like, I just need a little bit of like, I want to, basically I wanted to find that kind of, um, that first couple of years, which we had at MPCLA, where it was like a tight knit, small smaller team who were just like knocking mm-hmm. out really good work you know i hadn't got diluted by the big machine basically so I, from there i moved to um eight vfx to give that a whirl right to see what they were up to i don't think sadly was that, was that eight vfx they're, they're not around right now i don't think so I, i'm not sure i think maybe the whole kind of covid thing might have uh okay unfortunately was that with that. shira was she yeah yeah shira yeah yeah okay how do i know shira yeah, because I feel like she told me like three or four times, but I've totally forgotten. Shira is she, she, uh, Shira is a uh, uh, a she's a good talker. She's a good EP actually. She can I really like she Shira. can uh, a lot of she time. can she can sell ice to Eskimos. Is yeah. <laughs> she's hundred uh, percent. She is a uh, but no. I worked with her uh, at Sway. So when I was at the, a company called Sway, and I started okay. there as the you know the head of three D or or I've not head of three. I was. Started off there as a VFX supervisor and then became head of 3D. But she was the uh, uh, EP. And it was sort of my first foray into being like a bigger supervisor for, you know, like a head head supervisor. And so I dealt, I usually didn't really deal with, um, <laughs> with uh, 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 EPs that much. But then she's the first, she's the one who's like, I'm going to help you and I'm going to introduce you to like how to talk yeah. to directors and how to do that. And and she was great. She was really good at sort of making me a better supervisor from, from that point of view in terms of the logistics and the politics and all of that stuff. So uh, she yeah. was kind of an interesting, interesting lady. Yeah. 
But yeah, 8VFX, they were French company, right? They French were, company, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and traditionally, and that company is the same, same um, exactly the same, but traditionally the, uh, the French have an amazing schooling back in France and Paris. Oh, they have several really good ones. Yep. So it's like you, you can't help but like learn and become better. You know, all, all the kind of guys I'd, I'd work with back at the mill were French who were just like, teaching me stuff. It's like, bam, this is insane. You guys are mm-hmm. crazy good. Um, and it was scary. So that was, uh, I was looking forward to that, the whole kind of like smaller boutique feel, just crazy, you know, crazy talented people getting it done again. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, at the time I was there, we moved from like one location to the new location. Um, you know, things changed and, you know, it was, it was all right. I kind of like ended up overworking, you know, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, working with Shira is magic. Uh, She's she's amazing, and like you said, she has she has so many stories as well with so many like just crazy people. Just this is like it doesn't matter who you've you've met on set. She's you know probably met them like forty years before or something, you know, or you know thirty yep. years before, and you know, and this and I remember when this happened and that happened. It was like this is insane. Um, so yeah, uh, so that was like a highlight working with Shira for sure. Um, at eight, and then uh, at the same time I was working at eight and kind of like trying to figure out what was going on my wife who uh works for ikea she got an opportunity out in new york so i was oh, like all right okay. let's give let's give let's give new york a go you know let's, nice. let's see what happens um so that's why i moved from we kind of went backwards what everybody tells me you know most mm-hmm. people leave new york and go to la but we went the other way around um yeah. and new york, new york new york was new york scary i don't know if you ever moved to a city like new york with not having a job um that was kind of intimidating i was like what am i doing i'm walking into a uh uh a slightly different side of the industry because it's a different kind of uh you know different part of the industry i guess to a certain degree still doing commercials but it's like a different uh pool uh yeah, yeah and i w- w- walked in there with like walked to new york with no job and thankfully it just worked out really well i got hit up by about eight nine companies um nice. so i had a little bit so i was lucky so yeah so then that's how i got to um got there's to a lot job. of really great boutique shops in in new york Lots of little cool places that do a lot of kind of cool things like that for sure. Yeah. Uh, cool. So Art Jail was was where you landed, huh? So how? Tell us yeah. a little bit about Art Jail. Art Jail. Art Jail is very boutiquey, um, um, and it was traditionally a lot of two D stuff. And they would use, um, uh, from what I understand, they'd use like external CG to help. You know, to get people in to help out more. And then they kind of right. basically got to the point where they were like, "All right, we're doing all this CG now. We should start a department." Um, and there's a good gentleman called John Skeffington, who I used to work with, uh, I've worked with maybe a couple of times, Lucy, when I was at MPC, cause he was working at MPC New York and I was working at MPC LA and we kind of, I came out to New York to help him out, um, on a couple of jobs. Uh, he got me in, um, and it was basically like, all right, you know, let's start a CG department. And that was like, I was like super excited, but I've never been so nervous in my life. That is such, I didn't realize how such an undertaking and demand mm-hmm. it is to start from scratch. I think about all these people I've worked with in the past who have so fortunate that they've moved up the ladder and they've kind of now like head of 3Ds for the, the mills or the NPCs and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, when I think about it, it's like you've kind of been handed a department this is working. And it's like when you suddenly really feel like you've got to make a department from scratch, it's like every decision counts and every hire yep. counts. And, um, you know, it comes down to like the render engines, like I said, the, the hardware. Um, it's like 
it's like straight away it's like i need to hire a, a pipeline td because it's like there's one thing working in 2d and it was like passing image sequences around it's like all of a sudden i need to make those images so hang on a right. minute, i need like proper process i was basically walked in there with no with no nothing basically it was like me maya v-ray and basically just referencing everything <laughs> i was just like <laughs> to get a job done everything was a reference of a reference of a reference it's like how do i render like 20 shots with just me it's like how do i do this you right. know um so that was uh, that was interesting but you know the owner put some uh invested and you know he listened which was nice and we kind of expanded we got like a decent td a really good mm-hmm. td sorry um and he wrote an f-track pipeline in about six weeks six weeks six months sorry it was like solid between nuke houdini and uh maya and then by mm. within a year it was like this is like this is insane so he's he basically uh saved me and uh, a word to the wise first thing i always do whenever i join any company is basically make friends with the tds and the engineers because those guys get the job done for you you do yes. need like support if you need support mm-hmm. and you need to get like a million renders out it's like you go and bring some donuts to those guys and girls yep. and make sure they're happy because they're the ones who get it done for you um, absolutely so yeah that's basically what i did so uh, yeah and that's where we're at right now it's been like two and a half years and um you know they've we've and they've got a toronto office as well but the toronto office is a little bit separate basically so um and they run their own thing and they go to do what their own way and that kind of stuff but i think ultimately what the plan is is to build this department the the company up on a stronger 2d and 3d side in terms of pipe and process and that kind of stuff and then potentially maybe like a uh, so we can so we can just basically migrate that way of working to wherever the boss wants to open another office if he wants to open another one. Okay. Um, so yeah. How many people yeah. in your three D department now? <laughs> uh, right now we're going for a little bit of a change, but right now we're probably you know I don't know like three or four. Okay. Um, but you know it's people rotate through and stuff, and now we're like building sure. like CG department two point basically. So the aim aim would be around like maybe I don't know five to six people probably, uh, yeah. uh, because we have enough freelancers who can kind of like come through and fill fill the, uh, the bums on the seats and stuff. And there's a bunch of talented people here, which is amazing as well. I was worried about not knowing anybody out here when I first got here. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's more about kind of like making that fine balance of how many people we employ, to turning around the jobs and you know uh, and making money and also not killing everybody, you know. Right. Which is what we're all trying not to do. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. I do remember when you started there, obviously, because, you know, it's like, okay, I'm started and I'm trying to build this thing. <laughs> so you had this yeah. conversation with me, you know, it's like trying to build this thing and I'm going thinking about using, because like, I'm starting from scratch. There's some opportunities that I can do something that people haven't done before or that I've always yeah. thought like. And so one of the big things you're going to do is like, you're going to start using Maya or sorry, uh, Houdini more primarily in a lot of stuff we were doing right yeah and that was like okay okay and we were you know v-ray for houdini was uh, a product at that point uh we had we had done that obviously v-ray for houdini has uh the new one uh is pretty pretty amazing at this point honestly speaking uh but that was that was something you were going to do so what was the decision that made you want to do that like why did you decide okay we're going to try to do stuff in houdini for for the shop i mean it made more sense for me because it, it it needed less kind of support if that makes sense as well so it kind of freed up our, our td a little bit um but just because you could you could do more i mean you, you can do you can it's all encompassing it's not like a plugin and you know i've used maya for god knows how long 
and it it just feels like it's got slower and more sluggish i'm not trying to bash it or anything autodesk has you know they've done a good job um mm. but it's also got old it's old and it's kind of like well what are we what are we really using it for and it's basically just modeling and animation it's at this point we're doing effects groom distraction you know volumes liquid uh all that's being rendered it's like why not just keep it in one package and just let it happen you know, and just use what we need right. to use for Maya. So it's gone the other way around, basically. It's in my mind, it's gone the other way in terms of use of software. It used to be like 70% Maya, 30% Houdini, say. Now it's just completely flipped in the last couple of years. Um, Interesting. And also, they're, they're, I think so anyway. I mean, not more than the last couple of years. It's been going for a while. I've just been a little bit slow on the uptake. I also had, um, had a, uh, a couple of guys who are younger in the industry who were just so excited about learning it. Um, and it was very interesting for me if someone who's like a veteran of Maya struggling a little bit to get my head around Houdini, watching these guys just like absorb it. And it was just like, like a sponge. And it was like, they just became very strong very quickly. And I was like, that's impressive that a software can allow someone to get that strong in it really quickly. Like I'm talking like a really year in less than a year. These, these guys were like really clever and really strong in it. And it was like, this is impressive. So, Interesting. Um, which, you know, we all learn differently. And like I said, but now when I was learning, we didn't have YouTube and all that kind of stuff, but, um, which makes life easier, but there's got to be something about a software. If you can learn it that quickly, that there's something strong about it as well. You know, yeah. if, if you're new, to, if you're new to it and you can learn and pick it up, you know, yeah, for sure. I mean, for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm coming at it with like, um, if any, if I could like erase my uh, my mind a little bit, then maybe you know mm -hmm. getting my head around who didn't anymore might be a little bit easier. But yeah, that was it really. And it was it was also kind of just for me. It was kind of like um, it seemed it just seemed like an efficient software basically. And I just kind of like because we've got an opportunity to build something new, uh, or at least get the foundations going where we can like flip into maybe using Houdini a bit more and more and more. Um, it's there's a couple of things that's interesting you say because they, they are the, and you, I, you're hundred percent right but counter to what I was known right because Houdini's right. actually used to be really um, really complicated and hard to learn and that was the thing right everyone's like it's really hard to learn Houdini et cetera et cetera Maya is much easier and so that was the reason people like I don't know if you really want to get geeky you go into Houdini and it's funny that you say yeah. like no you can get there much faster with Houdini I was like that's an interesting thing the other thing you said is also that Maya is, seems to be getting a little bit more old right but Houdini is just as old if not older than Maya <laughs> right right but it's just, which is also just there's something about it makes it feel fresh and it's maintained that thing is which is which is which is also interesting i mean i still think that maya like you said maya still has a lot of powerful things that it does it's still yeah. very good at character animation and things of that nature that are a little bit sometimes are a little more of a challenge uh but or at least or at least finding animators that are houdini animators are going to be harder than my animators that's i'd be you can hit nail on the head there for me that's that's the one issue i've got right now with with um making a shot more houdini orientated than my orientated is it's finding the artists as well yeah that's the thing um there's less of them it seems or less of them who are and i'm now going to contradict myself there's less of them who are super talented if that makes sense that seems to be the most extremes mm -hmm. uh and then at that point you're paying like crazy money as well for an artist and it's like that's why i kind of wanted it to almost breed it from the inside out because it was like, if we can all get up to speed, then we haven't got to pay like crazy prices for people. 
Uh, and it sounds right. horrible to say, but it's just like, at the end of the day, I've got to make money as well. Like it, my part. Well, how much, I mean, how long does it take for someone to get up to speed in Houdini? If they're a, you know, a Maya guy. I don't know. I've been told like, if you can, if you can switch off from Maya, I've been told mm-hmm. anything between like, you know, a year to 18 months, if you can just switch it off and never use it again. Right. Um, but it's having that opportunity to do it. But like, again, like right. I said, like kids are coming out of, I don't mean to say kids from the patronizing way. It's just the way I talk. Um, <laughs> they're coming out, they're, they're coming out of college. Yeah. They've already been exposed to it a little bit. Um, and you know, most of them kind of enjoy it. So it's like, well, why not just feed that and fuel that because mm-hmm. it's a solid software. Um, uh, and you know, it, yeah, I mean, you may as well, like, like I said, you may as well feed that if people are going to come in to uh, a studio fresh and new and just be like, yeah, I really, I'm really interested in Houdini. I want to do this and this and this. It's like, well, let's just jump on it and go with it and run with it's, it to be honest, because it is very interesting. There's so many, I mean, I was talking with my friend, uh, Chris Blythe the other day and, and, and he was saying, it's like, if you had told me 10 years ago that everyone is going to like jump on Houdini, <laughs> I, I would not have believed it or and blender too blender is actually that everyone's right. doing blender stuff right now and they're like yeah yeah, yeah. i would not th- those are the most like up and coming dccs which is a very interesting thing but uh very definitely very interesting okay i do what i do i do have a, a, a one big question is like so obviously you know you're 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 interested in houdini houdini's got a very good render called mantra but there was certain but what 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 caused you saying is like you know i want to be able to do v-ray and houdini as well so what was the what was the motivation there um, the motivation would have been the fact that I've, uh, I'm just generally super impressed with V-Ray. It's, okay. it's always, it's always, I've never had an issue with it basically, you know? And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just simply that, I mean, I've, I've played with Mantra and it has its pros and cons. Whereas to, to be honest, V-Ray is generally good across the board. Um, I like the way it's set up. I like the way it works. It makes sense to me. It's, um, it gives you more. You've got more control if you want than, say, for example, an Arnold. Arnold is basically you got. I mean, I haven't used it for a long time, but last time I used it was like four sliders, and you just have the hope that the render gets done. Um, I think it's changed nowadays, but I mean okay. that was my first experience of it. Right. Um, and, um, Mantra to me was a little bit, you know, there's render man s kind of thing going there, which is kind of you know it's useful and it's not. Sometimes you know you're faking baking and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, V-Ray for me was uh has always been solid like i i was so impressed when like andy boyd introduced me to it uh, right. in um back in the day and on top of that it's like i love the fact that you guys i thought it was very clever the way you do the collection that collection license thing is very clever you oh right confused. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no it's just, it's just a, i was like the collect i was like oh right the collection because then you can just buy one license and then you can use it in whatever yeah. package you want yeah exactly <laughs> i thought that was a very clever move on your guys behalf it was because i'm already wanting to keep like um uh, trying to keep all my assets and all my rendering all that kind of stuff in mm-hmm. um one render engine so the fact that now i can uh i can look devin meyer if i have a meyer artist for example but then i can export that all the materials, all that kind of stuff, dump it in Houdini. It renders perfectly, renders one-to-one. So then I maybe I'm doing effects or something and the effects artist who's rendering out some volumes needs the shaders for something else. It's just, it's just very easy to pass it around. Then I can pass things over to Nuke if they want to do some stuff. And that, I mean, you know, you start using VWare and Nuke. It's just like, it's, it makes it, it makes it so flexible. And for like, for again, for someone like our size, you've got one, two TDs right now. And 
if there's going to be an issue, you tend to, you can kind of figure out on a normal kind of level. And if it's deeper and you're just like, yeah, okay, you know, this should work in Vire for Maya, Houdini, Nuke, what have you, um, right. Unreal, whatever you want to use. Um, but if you couldn't get it working, then it's like, okay, maybe there's a deeper issue. But on a quick kind of look at stuff, you can debug pretty quickly and just be like, this works, I should do that, let's do this. Right. So that was my issue, my thing. I mean, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that was it, really. It's like I've, I've always been impressed with V-Ray, like I said. Um, uh, so I wanted to stick with it. There's nothing worse than, I mean, like Mantra and, v, um, and V-Ray seem to work quite nicely with um, when, uh, I mean, Andy Andy was t- pointing that out to me because we were doing a lot of Mantra rendering when he joined NPC, mm-hmm. all the effects. But then we were doing a lot of like Maya rendering. We were using V-Ray then. Um, so they worked nicely. They played together well. Um, right. It was easy to work like motion blur offsets and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, and at that time, I think, I don't think Vera is doing, it was still do volumes well, but it was doing it a bit, it was a bit chuggy on volumes. But now I yeah, think you kind that's of like changed it quite space. a bit. Yeah, now it's like super quick. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the, the V-Ray thing is also like just the, the GPU, CPU thing and the hybrid rendering. It's like, you know, all our boxes have got stuff for GPUs as well as CPUs. And it's like, whatever you need. You know, whatever you need, artists. I mean, we found like a, we found a couple of bugs which you guys fixed. I'm sure a long time ago, mm-hmm. um, but it just it just allows the artist to be have more freedom. You know, so why not keep that going? Um, yeah, it just it, it it makes no sense to me to be honest. If I can have if I can keep everything to one render render engine, when why not? You know, yeah. and obviously you you can do like the the crazy thing for me is like render engines are like religion in my mind. It's kind of like you end up being stuck to one. Um, you know, and you'll get, you'll get the, you'll, you'll get the, uh, the, the purists of the, the, you know, telling you that, you know, Arnold does this and Redshift does that and all that kind of stuff. But it's right. like equally, if you really look at it, it's like Redshift's quick here because it doesn't give you as many options or something, you know, whereas V-Ray is offering you all the options and it slows down a little bit, but you still got to realize you're still rendering like a 4k image in like three or four minutes. It's like, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> so yeah. Yep. That, that tends to get forgotten, forgotten a lot, in my yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There, the it's. I know you guys. You know, you guys been using. Uh, you guys been using V-Ray for Houdini for a while, but I, I, and we just put out V-Ray five for Houdini. And one, I guess, one of the big things that are that's going on there for, that we're looking at is USD uh, integration. Yeah. Houdini has arguably one of the best integrations of usd of any dcc are you guys following that are you guys looking into that yeah, as well 100 no 100 okay. we're in that like i was when i reached out to side effects and i told them that like our, our vendor of, of side effects anyway mm-hmm. of the rep we were chatting to um i was like look man we're gonna we're gonna be switching more to houdini i think in the future before. this is our game plan so mm-hmm. you know because i will be honest houdini is quite expensive it was like this is a big i've got to like justify this cost to like upper management here yeah um um he did actually point out that i believe you guys have been doing like a huge huge push of them about usd or something else i can't remember i feel like he, he did say that out of all the all the render engine companies you guys are all software you you guys have been pushing it the most or something from what i understand i might be yeah. wrong but it was, well, it was a long conversation ago yeah i mean the thing Obviously, USD is is sort of put together by Pixar. So RenderMan has had yeah. USD support uh, uh, for sure, uh, but it's specifically Houdini, right? Like Houdini, the way Houdini is doing things is a little bit interesting. So it's like one of the first DCCs, you know, at least that I know of, that's really kind of pushed the Hydra thing as well, right? So Hydra is you know part of that whole USD 
Oh, it's not. It's it's different, but it works with USDs really well. And so, but they figured it out. And so, um, we have a really great developer, uh, Andre, who's hilarious. By the way, he's one of my favorite people in in Bulgaria. I, you've probably <laughs> talked to. Have you talked to Andre? Or is I think uh, I think I've seen him in the uh, forums, and I think we've had a few direct back and forths. Yeah. As yeah. Well. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a character. Uh, uh, I call him Russian Andre because we have lots of Andres, but he's he's the, he's the Russian, uh, and he's uh, he's he's very good. And he was, you know, I've been so he's been showing me some of the stuff that with, with with USD and Hydra and how that works, which is quite powerful, um, and it could really change things uh, for us a lot because we can basically just write out USDs now, uh, write out a Houdini, um, and they can, you know. Technically, you can render them right from a delegate, so you don't actually even need Houdini to render. So, right, right, right. <laughs> and that's that that can that can be cheaper. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, but there's, there's a really, I mean, it's interesting because I really thought like, okay, these, I think, I think there's going to be a trend in, 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 well, I definitely know there's going to be a trend. Uh, uh, I'm not going to be a tell, but definitely there's, there's, there's going to be a whole lot more Houdini licenses in official effects industry in the next few years, <laughs> I, I believe. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you as well. That's why it's kind of, that's yeah. why I feel a little bit bad because I've kind of, uh, well, on a, on a personal level, I've taken too long to get up to speed with Houdini. So I'm now like getting, getting my head around that and like really pushing it. But right. equally it was like, you know, because of that, I think it, that's what stemmed me to push it more in, um, on the uh, New York, uh, art jail side as well, because it, I, I just see it just taking over. I don't, I don't really see, I, I mean, I, I even like you said with Blender, it's like I, I Autodesk and Maya have got to like sort themselves out. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's the thing. I think there's still, you know, it was a thing back, you know, like you said, it's like when you walk to a big visual effects industry or big visual effects office, like, you know, it's like a method or a DD or whatever. Everyone would be able, everyone had an access to Maya. Everyone was using Maya to do it. And then you had a few people that would use Houdini and they were the specialists or whatever that were doing crazy explosions and high salaries, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and then, but I think it's going to flip where pretty much everyone's going to have Houdini on their desk. And then there's going to be a few people who have Maya to do specific things that Maya is really good at doing, such as yeah, you know, exactly. character stuff. I agree. So I think yeah. it's going to be interesting. It is going to flip. Uh, and, you know, I don't, I, and this is not me saying that this is not promoting anything. This is just what I'm noticing <laughs> people saying and talking about. No, I'm, I'm exactly the same. It's, it's just pure observation. It's just, it is, it's what is happening. And you're also seeing, uh, the other thing is, well, you're seeing like lots more smaller mid-range shops popping up now. I mean, some of them obviously have sadly been affected by, you know, obviously COVID and what that's done to uh, mm-hmm. everybody's industry and, and the world will stop. Um, but the majority of those shops are com- coming up and they are just pure Houdini because you can do everything in it. And it's, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the big machines and all that kind of stuff. There's always going to be a place for them, but I think you're going to find there's going to be a lot more smaller places popping up, which are going to be taking up all those licenses of Houdini. And I'm mm-hmm. like you, I'm not trying to promote on or de-promote anything. It's just, like you said, it's just an observation, you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's the fact that everything, you can do everything in one package. It's like, why would you want to fight that? You know? Right. The whole, the whole exporting thing was an issue. It was always an issue. Yeah. You know, and some strange reason still seems to be an issue, even though you've got Olympics, which were like amazing. You know, right. it's just, um, well, USD is fixing that. Honestly speaking, right, exactly. I, I, it, well, the promise is that it would fix it. And I believe they're doing a better job than 
I, I, you know, honestly, because I've heard of so many, he's like, no, this will solve everything. Olympic. I was like, mm, <laughs> not everything. <laughs> it's good. It's yeah. not solving everything. Uh, yeah. but, but yeah, so USD, uh, I think has a lot more promised, honestly speaking. Uh, and I'm noticing it as well. So that is cool. Yeah. That is cool. Well, cool. That's so, okay. Exciting. So, 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 so I think, I think you and I see eye to eye in terms of where some of these things are going in terms of some of those DCCs for sure. But what, what yeah. are some of the cool things you guys are up to now at RTL? Obviously you're saying you're, you know, growing and you got a couple things, you got a Toronto office happening. What else is going on? I mean, uh, I think internally it's kind of like, it's, it's basically trying to figure out that perfect way of like blending this uh, boutique uh, environment into more of a kind of like a slightly bigger studio now it's kind of mm -hmm. working out that it's kind of keeping the process or well, allowing you to have a process but not that not stifling the creativity um i can see us opening offices in different parts of uh, the u.s as well in uh maybe next couple of years probably mm -hmm. um work wise you know art jazz always had like a, a good relationship and rapport with directors so it's kind of like also being in that lucky to be in that world where we can um we have like those kind of guys who keep coming back to us as well which is very fortunate about uh, fortunate we should hopefully be picking up more character work i would assume creature work we basically jumped on the the last the i feel like we were the last or i was the last shoot in la before covid like kicked off like okay. it was just like literally rap everybody cover yourself up get back to the hotel and fly back basically as quick as you can. It was, it was crazy. Um, mm -hmm. but that was doing that job. That was annoyed. We, so we brought back the Noid. Basically, oh, right. Which, yeah. Which I didn't know anything about, to be honest, uh, being English and living my life in the eighties in England, didn't know anything mm -hmm. about this Noid character, but it was fun. Uh -huh. It was like, they gave us the opportunity. Um, so that was shot then, but that was like, a, that didn't come out until a year later because of all the COVID stuff. Interesting. Um, so now hopefully we'll be picking up some more traffic, hopefully with some more creature work and that kind of stuff. I figured um, the pizza industry probably did pretty well in uh, during COVID. They, they did very well for themselves. <laughs> I think you, I think you'll see that Domino's shares went up <laughs> yep. when everybody else was struggling. Um, so yeah, um, that's cool. Hopefully like, uh, I, I mean, for me and like the creatives at the agency and my boss, uh, we can see so much potential with that little character. Yeah. Um, it's just a case. Oh, batteries might be going on my headphones. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a case of. Um, uh, oh, maybe not. Just it's just a case of. Um, you know, making sure that that you, you, we can like utilize this guy because I could see so much stuff coming from. They've talked about like well, they did do a computer game. You appeared in like a, a Crash Bandicoot game. Oh, you did all that okay. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. We've yeah. been talking to them about like um, virtual production and real real time production with the guy. So we've we've bought like um, Xsense motion capture suit. Uh, we've just got the stretch sense gloves as well. We've got all that going. Nice. So that's why I was kind of interested to see what um, V-Ray and Unreal could do and what it was all about. Because uh, okay. I was trying mm -hmm. to I was trying to figure out what that had to offer basically. Yeah. Because it's like an offline renderer with a real time render engine kind of setup. So well, um, Unreal to me is an interesting one. Yeah, I mean it's pretty it's simple in a sense that V-Ray offers this one that gives you in you know you can't do full ray tracing inside of Unreal, but you 
if you need it, you can use V-Ray. <laughs> so <laughs> that's yeah. basically what it is. So uh, right. because I think that Unreal is is more than a renderer, honestly speaking. I think people think it's just the rendering. I think it's got a very good real-time renderer, but I actually think it's it is actually its own real-time platform. And that's what's more interesting about it. Uh, and you basically would need to get ray tracing in there at some point. And V-Ray off offers that option. So, but yeah, if you're, if you're interested in that, maybe you and I should talk offline <laughs> about what's I'm possible. always interested in that, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, totally, 100%. I'd love yeah, to I'm very, very, um, very, very, very interested in that process as well. So that's cool. Yeah, no, it's it's like, I mean, I, I don't know if it's the same for you probably right now, like the whole kind of like Houdini, learning Houdini, it's like you get to a certain point and you're kind of like, all right, it, there's repetition that happens you know jobs come through the door and you're like okay this is going to happen this is going to go like this blah 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 you know someone's going to say this this is going to change that's going to change so let's just protect for that knowing that's going to happen online and that happens right. more and more and more because you've been in the industry so long so like learning something new like switching it up so like the idea of doing houdini the idea of unreal you know it mm -hmm. kind of keeps us older gentlemen um on mm -hmm. our toes a little bit or older yeah. artists sorry on our toes and kind of makes us freshen up a little bit as well which is good which is something I, yeah. you know, you, I mean, education is great on any level, right? So, yeah, you know, if you can, uh, if you can keep yourself uh, motivated and contextualize on the new stuff, then that's that's the uh, that's the secret. Right? So, yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, you're 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 100 right, and I think that there's uh, there's a lot of. Uh, I love one thing I love about what we do is that we're always learning new things, right? Yeah, if we're not glass blowers. Where it's been done for a hundred years and it's never going to change. Right. That like, I couldn't do that. Like I want to do something like, okay, now I have to learn everything about USD. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so suddenly like, okay. It's like, is that really interesting? I was like, I don't know if it's interesting. It's like, it turns out it's really interesting. It's kind of cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, yeah. but anyway, yeah. So that's the, I think you're right. You're right. You know, there's, there's something really fun about, about what we do, uh, that, that makes it fresh and, and gives you new ideas. And, and I think those are definitely fun for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, cool. Listen, all we're, the hardware. Yeah, all Sorry. the new hardware. Absolutely. Uh, I, just, I was going to say, you know, it was, it was really great catching up. We were just about an hour, and I definitely, you know, uh, I'm interested in to find out more about, you know, you know, if you have some good ideas, we can always chat about what, you know, some new things that we can do. I mean, we helped conquer the, the V-Ray and Houdini uh, pipeline with you, and I'm sure there's more things that we can do. Uh, it was I great, to, <laughs> great to hear some old names. I definitely think I should try to get Andy Boyd on the podcast, and I don't have him on, so I'll try to get in touch with Andy, and maybe I'll do that through you. Uh, and I haven't, 100%. you know, I was thinking... And and Nashira as well, actually. <laughs> so I should think about that. Uh, I hit her up. I hit her up. I mean, uh, I actually have I her. Think... I have her email. So I think I was going to email her anyway. I was like, but now I think it's like we should just have her on the podcast. You're right. She has a ton of stories. Oh my gosh, it'd be amazing. It'd be an amazing podcast. Honestly, it'd be amazing. <laughs> like, like I said, those stories are insane. She'd have. Yeah. And just how yeah. how the industry's changed and all that kind of stuff. It would be a brilliant, brilliant podcast. Yeah, she was a live action producer for a long time and she did a lot of crazy commercials that I her stories are insane for sure. Yeah. Really cool. Really cool. All right. Well, cool. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, I really appreciate you being on and it's going to be a lot of fun. And this is actually going to come out uh, in just, we're, we're going to fast track this one. So it'll probably come out next week. <laughs> just so you know. Oh, wow. Really? Wow. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, totally, totally. It's been a pleasure. I mean, I, I must admit, I was really nervous about it, but like once you get going, you just get going, right? And just start, it's just like having a beer down the pub. It's, it's, it's exactly simple. that. 
Sometimes we even do have beers while we're doing the podcast. <laughs> Maybe I should have done that. <laughs> no, I did not just drink in a cup of tea. Ah, that would be nice. There you go. Anyway. All right. Well, look, keep safe. <laughs> <laughs>